Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Shop Notes podcast. It's episode number 181. We're still, we're on a snow day here when this is being recorded. And I'm your host, Phil Huber, along with John Doyle and Logan Whitmer from Woodsmith Shop Notes and Popular Woodworking Magazine talking about all the woodworking stuff today. So thanks for listening and hope you enjoy today's show. I do want to kick things off with a couple of, there was a question that I got through customer service that I thought we could address because it was a good question. Was it and a real then question? It was a real question. Yes. Okay. Okay. Here it is. It's from Hal okay. who writes... Why does every table saw sled design I have ever, ever come across have a bridge at the front of the sled? I can see if the need, if the sled runs in just one track, but most designs use both miter tracks, which means the front of the sled should not need the bridge. I discovered this myself years ago when a piece of wood I needed to cut would not fit between the two front and back bridges. So I moved the front one and verified there was no movement between the two halves of the sled. The cut was perfect. I can see that if there's some slop between the guides and the track, the front wood bridge would be useful. Comments? Hal. First of all, it's from Hal. Is this from like an AI supercomputer? Maybe. Question? Yeah. I mean, supercomputers need to use the table saw too. That's, I mean, once they use the table saws, we're done. <laughs> we are done. So, um, is he talking about like the, the, so the bridge at the front, so farthest so, from the user? Yeah. Opposite yeah. from the user. Yeah. Um, the way I'm picturing it is, it, is this when we put the bridge, like a piece of wood there to hold the saw together once we cut all the yes. way to yeah. the base. So all it keeps way, it from flopping and pinching and, yeah. That's what I would say the use is for. Yeah. And he his counterpoint is that if the sled tracks with two miter bars, then oh. you don't really need that in his in his view. Which I mean there's have, some logic there. You have the back bridge holding the two side. Do you need a bridge at all? You just have two <laughs> independently sliding. Yeah. It's that's sleds. how the woodpeckers accuse yeah sleds are there's a land like a landing zone that just stays yeah. fixed and then the yeah. one other side is the one that moves yeah yeah although the way john was now, doing the hand motions there yeah. it was like the it was like the aerodyne of <laughs> table saw sleds uh, i just picture john wearing yeah. spandex like, doing yeah. jazzercise it's like, now it's like a rowing machine <laughs> yeah now okay there, I think, is a is within his question is another question that I know we've been asked. Okay, why use two miter bars? Why not use one? Or why use yeah. one when you could use two? Mm-hmm. Right. Why not use three? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, think about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> I think the 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 engineering answer for using two is that you're minimizing the amount of play, especially as if the sled gets wider Mm -hmm. and bigger. Um, The practical shop builder in me says you want to use two because you need to curse more at your table saw because those miter bars are going to get installed and they're going to be like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. 
and they just yeah, two won't. two is always harder to install, and one is effective if it's a good, you know, precise fit. Yeah. So it's like, which is easier to achieve, I guess. So my my thought on that front bridge is as follows. Okay. If you have that back bridge only and no front bridge, when you take that sled off of the saw, that back bridge is going to hold those two sled bases together, right? However... If it gets thrown around in the shop, they can do, you know, one of these mm-hmm. twisting type things. And that leads to a lot of torque, I think, on those two. Let's assume there are two screws in that, you know, yeah. uh, or a pair of screws through each base into that back bridge. Having that front bridge on there reduces that. And I just think makes the entire it makes the whole thing a little bit more sturdy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, is that accurate? Probably not. I just made that up on the spot. <laughs> but that's I mean, just knowing how I throw crap around in my shop, yeah. like that's what I'd see happening is those two halves get twisted apart and, you know, pull something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, if you have a full sized uh, front bridge, you can come around to the other side and do a uh, pull cuts. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that's how they do it in Japan. Yeah, Australia. Yeah, right. Yeah, you they know. cut from the other side of the table saw. Yeah, miter saws too. They do. I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen that <laughs> on Woodsmith before. <laughs> we invented uh, it. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's kind of what I thought too. Is that you know, in use technically, it's the with two runners in the miter slots, that's what's guiding the two halves or what should be guiding the two halves. Yeah. Um, I would think that both having both bridges could apply, you know, when you make the sled that there's just enough tension either one way or the other, you know, either to the outside of the miter gauge slots or to the inside you know, that that's pulling those in because you're kind of assuming that the bars that you have on your sled are an exact slop free fit on the miter slots in your table saws. Which table. they never are. Right. Yeah. So like even, I, even if you dial it in, they wear out. I mean, they get sloppy over time. Yeah. Yeah. And and to your point, and I think that's that's what I went to first, Logan, was, I mean, the sled is not going to live on your table saw the whole time. So when you take it off, like you said, you could pull it off and then the two can kind of twist up and down. But I think even when you take it off, there's like a bending, depending yeah. on how big your sled is, that would affect, Yeah, that can affect its accuracy. Um. So speaking of table saw runners, if you guys are building a sled or jig, what is your go-to table saw runner? Whether it be like brand or material. UHMW, like the, yeah. like the, the cutting board material. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I say that be, like, I, you can't adjust it. So once it starts to wear yeah. out, it's just going to keep getting sloppier and sloppier. Right. Right. So that kind of sucks, but I feel like I'm never happy enough with my jigs anyways, where it's like, I just make it work. Yeah. And then. Cuss out a little bit and then make a new one. 
yeah, yeah. well yeah and i have uh, a buddy of mine gave me like a four foot by four foot sheet of like three quarter inch thick uhmw like he ordered it to make i don't know like protectors for his lathe as he was doing pens and he's like here i don't need this anymore <laughs> so i have a boatload of it so that's what i use okay i was gonna say we had i don't remember what project it was probably a shop notes project from 15 years ago and it sourced um i don't know if it was steel or aluminum uh runners that had spring-loaded ball bearings in them yeah always like but now i can't find that anymore i don't know if it was like peach tree or something with source and i haven't been able to find those so oh but that was kind of clever because it's like you know because the craig one is good it has like the adjustable yeah um, like set screws that kind of spread the bar yeah yeah, and they'll yeah it it might wear you can adjust it or whatever if it wears or whatever but like so those had the spring-loaded ball bearings so they were always self-adjusting to yeah. the the track so right. well and and i i thought about that the other day because i think i was telling you phil i bought one of the woodpeckers exact 90 um minor gauges because we had one in the shop right. that's really nice yeah. and it yeah, works it fantastic. works great um i noticed in in my saw stop we had it in our powermatic um in my saw stop there's just a little bit of wiggle in it and Ooh. I thought it was kind of interesting. I'm thinking, okay, how do I adjust? You know, I thought it was actually, the, I thought it was the head, like, because when I got it, I kind of, you know, half-ass put it together at the kitchen counter, like making dinner. Um, so I thought, oh crap, and it tightened something. So I thought maybe the head was loose in relation to the miter bar, but it's not. It's actually that it uses, I'm looking at it right now. Um, it uses like little plastic springs to kind of do the same thing like the ball bearings did, mm-hmm. but they're little like bent plastic springs that kind of hold tightness in the miter slot. But if you, what, where I noticed the issue and it, maybe this is just the function of how I'm using it. Like I'm used to, like, I like a miter sled where I could put both hands kind of spread out, you know, and push, you know, equally on both halves of the, the sled, the exact 90. I noticed the issue popped up when I was pushing on with my left hand on the fence support side, not the miter head slide side. Mm -hmm. So if I just put my hand on the miter head and held it there, like one hand in front of the other and pushed it, I didn't have an issue. It's when I was applying torque on the fence that it wanted to kind of rock a little bit. Um, So when I was messing with that, I was like, where have I seen a ball bearing loaded miter bar. And it must've been on one of the shop jigs we have floating mm-hmm. around, John, like you, like you yeah. said. Yeah. We had yeah. one floating around for a while and don't know. Don't know why they stopped making it. Yeah. I found that there's a, I think it's the Craig mini T track that is eg- mm-hmm. like exactly three quarter of an inch wide and makes a serviceable runner for for jigs because i have that on my bandsaw crosscut sled and it's one of those things where you know you buy the t-track in what four foot lengths or something like that and you end up needing like 11 inches of it and now you have a you know chunk left over or whatever and so that's what i had used for that Um, but i like your idea of the uhmw i've done that on a few of them that's kind of nice because that's cool because you can cut it a little fat 
so yeah. to speak. And, and then you can, there. you can either mash it in or go at it with like a shoulder plane. Yeah. And it, it planes pretty sweetly. Yep. Yep. And I actually, um, what was, I had a friend. I still have him. He's not dead. Uh, <laughs> which, knowing all my friends and they're all old, that's a, it's a legitimate concern every time I say that to my wife. Uh, uh, one of my buddies runs a tree service and he asked me to build him a couple of uh, sauce scabbards for their bucket truck. So they're like, hey, I don't, it's the, your, your, your uh, little one handed saws slide in them when you're in the bucket. So you have somewhere to put your chainsaw as you're moving around and stuff. Um, so I went to like Dollar General or Dollar Tree or one of those places that stuff isn't actually a dollar, but it has dollar in the name. Mm-hmm. And I bought like, I don't know, 20 of these cutting boards and they could not have been bigger than like eight and a half by 11, maybe 10 by 12, something like that. But they were like a buck 50 a piece. So I and I was like, well, I need a couple of them to do, you know, this sauce scabber because I use them as like a they call it welting to where the, the teeth hit. Um, but I bought a bunch of them thinking, Oh, I'm going to chop these things up for, for runners. And then my buddy gave me a big old sheet of it. Um, but you can buy it inexpensively because I think a good Meyer bar is 20 bucks, 25 bucks, probably, Yeah, you know, like a quality one. So, which is, is it's worthwhile if you're building a jig that you're going to use for a long time, you know? Yeah. I know McMaster car sells both UHMW and Phenolic in three quarter inch oh. strips. So like you can Phenolic's buy it another pre-sized. good one. Yeah. yeah. Cause both of those, like, I mean the UHMW does wear, but it, it takes a while before you, yeah. I mean, cause that's what my snow shovel is, is one of those snowplow brands where the blade of it is UHMW. And you just think to yourself, my driveway is going to grind this into nubbins in, and it doesn't, it takes for no. it, like, it's still in great shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've done that too. When stuff starts to wear out, I use that, uh, nylon drawer runner tape. Oh, sometimes. Yeah. oh yeah. And, you yeah. Know, stick a little bit on there and that glides yeah. pretty well. Yeah. And yeah, shim, I shim stuff out. I have a roll of, it's not nylon. It's like, graphite tape or something um we used yeah. to use it at the print shop on our folder gluer you'd, you'd wrap it around rollers and stuff or, or plows for doing pocket folders and stuff and it would keep scratching down and I, I one day i was messing with it and i'm like man this stuff is really nice i bet you i could like jack a roll of this and use it for like drawer slides and stuff and i did it's like it's really expensive it's like 85 dollars a roll but it's so nice and yeah I've used, sounds I've free used to it. me yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was. The print shop's closed now. Is it a coincidence? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know. But... Yeah. All right, move in, boys. We got a confession. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I've used that on the bottom of sleds before, you know, to not only to tighten up a bar, but like to make them slide a little bit easier on the table saw. Um, right. And they work pretty well. Yeah. We had a tip a, few, a number of years ago where somebody used the a strip of the the duct sealing aluminum foil tape. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know that you can because that's real thin. Yeah, uh, it's super sticky, so you're gonna have to. I mean, you're gonna have to find your center before you start applying that because once yeah. it sticks to itself, you're sort of done. But being thin and 
aluminum like that, like it makes a really nice smooth sliding surface. Yeah. Once it's on. Yeah. I've seen guys use that stuff as shim tape as well. Oh yeah. You know, I can see to that. Like, um, you know, shim up a corner of a joiner that they need to shim a little bit or whatever. Um, right. I feel like it's pro I mean, true machinists are probably, would probably like go off at that because it's like, it's a little squishy. Uh, that's not right. Real Cause of stock, the, but yeah. Cause of the adhesive has a yeah. thickness probably. And yep. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't live in machinist land. I don't either. So that's, so there's that, but yeah. Yeah. No, I thought it was a good question because it's one of those things where it's, yeah, table saw sleds have to have the little bridge thing in the front. How else would you make it? I feel That's like I've seen how like it's done. small part sleds, or maybe they're just tips. I know I've seen them for the bandsaw for sure. I feel like I've seen them for the table saw too, where people actually just make a one-sided sled. Right. And I have you know. I had one for my table saw, and we did a version of it that's still kicking around at the video studio where it's just a one-sided sled yeah. and those can work really well, especially for smaller yeah. parts. That, that those always have a little cringe factor for me because I don't trust that that off cut is not going to fall down mm -hmm. and get flung at me. Only kickback back I've ever had, never had anything actually knock on wood thrown back at me other than little off cuts and they've never come back at me. They've always just went down into the saw. Oh, you know? that way. Yeah. 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 So, but I'm always afraid that something's going to get caught in the back of the teeth and it's going to come right at, right at me. Never has probably unwarranted, but Ooh. I just like having that flat support on both sides. That's why I think the woodpeckers ones are, are a pretty good design. It gives you that, that bridge on the one side. Yeah. All right, then the other question, this one came in by email. It's from a TV show plan, shop organizer. And I don't know if that's the one that you did, John, or what? Oh, maybe. It says, your plan said it only took one sheet of three-quarter inch plywood, but that's not the case. Even if you take the square inch of every piece and add them up, it comes to more than a sheet of plywood with no scrap wood at all. So now I have to go out and buy another $90 sheet of plywood to complete this project. Oh, and by the way, there is not a plywood cutout layout. Could that be because it won't fit on one sheet of plywood? Love the show, but won't be building anything off of it again. Thanks. Ouch. Good, maybe we should rinse. have. Well, was, he using, was he using both sides of the plywood? Right. Is that the problem? Yeah. I wonder the organizer, I think, well, it comes in like had the bottom half and it has the top half. So it's the way we put it in the magazine. It was like two projects. Yes, if that's the case. So I think the mm. bottom half took one sheet, one sheet. And mm. if you want to build the upper cabinet, that's a separate separate deal. That's, you know, yeah. that's extra. So. Miscommunication. So let's put that on the art department. Right. Yeah. If that was the case, then that was, right uh, yeah. <laughs> he wants his money back for his free plans from the TV show. Yeah. If that's the case, I apologize. That should not have been communicated as a single sheet of plywood. Um, and we don't often put plywood cutting diagrams up there. Not anymore. We, you, yeah. we did used to. There I was a time where we used to. to. Yeah. yeah. And it was, I feel like they're of dubious use. In the same yeah. way that I feel like hardwood cutting diagrams yes. are of dubious 
utility. Mm-hmm. Those only in the sense that it gives you a rough idea of how much material you actually need. Yeah. Does it though? Because if everything you buy is four inches and the cutting diagram shows twelve inches, right? And they're perfect boards and yeah, yeah. The green is exactly Come the way on. you want it. And I feel um, like for furniture shop projects, it's not as big a deal. But for furniture yeah. projects that use plywood, if I want it to look good, I'm going to cut around on that sheet of plywood to find where the grain looks like glued up panels of wood and not like, you know, like an off kilter sliced in half cathedral or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know why we like, yeah, I mean, for plywood cut diagrams would be helpful i always point people to what is it like cutlistoptimizer.com yep that's that's, that's what a I good use. one I, I i feel like i don't have my phone on me i feel like they have a, a mobile app too uh, yeah i'm pretty sure i've so. used that um i think i did <laughs> i used that four years ago when i started my wife's cabinets for our office that are not done i should probably yep. open that back up and see if they still have it saved mm-hmm. but, yeah Man, I'm gonna lose sleep over that one. I'm gonna have to come back and look. <laughs> make a make a cut list diagram and prove that you can get it all out of one sheet. Right. So we can do like a Instagram apology video or something. Yeah. Too. It's come to our Retraction. attention that we made a mistake. Everybody's been talking about it. <laughs> yeah. We need to apologize. No, for real, I get the frustration of thinking that you need X amount of material for it. But on the other hand, there's two things. We're human beings. We try very hard to do our best, but there are going to be errors. And the other thing is, is that in this case, the guy needs to go out and get some more plywood. It's not the end of the world. I know plywood is expensive, but mm-hmm. well, and I personally would make the assumption that if somebody's going to build that, they probably have some plywood in their shop already that they're going to get some parts out of. Yeah. And they're going to buy additional plywood as necessary, right? That's how so I now, look at it. Now he's going to have three quarters of a sheet of plywood that he can Mm -hmm. use for the next project. That's a free project for the next one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Free plywood. No cost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I always, do you guys have a rule of thumb when you're buying materials? Like it says it needs this much. I'm going to get 20% more or 50% more because you're always cutting around defects or you get, Especially ordering by board foot, because it's like, I don't know yeah. if I'm going to get six inch wide pieces to it, yeah. or like yep. the length, and it's like, I that, need 60 inches long, but they send me eight footers, so now I'm only getting one piece out of every eight footer. Yeah, that, yeah. that's so. what really sucks, especially when you order material, because I've done it through Liberty, and mm-hmm. if it's something super particular, like this morning, I was looking for um, 16 quarter stock. So four inch thick stock, it's for an upcoming episode of our show where we have a guy coming in to turn mm-hmm. and I'm like, Hey, I need 16 quarter. And Brian's like, okay, that's weird. What length and what width? I'm like, I don't care as long as it's 16 quarter. <laughs> this is like the one time I don't care on the length and I don't care on the width. Most of the time it's like, Hey, I need 12 quarter, but it has to be a minimum of eight inches and I need it mm-hmm. to be at least seven foot long. Yeah. 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 And it's, or if we're building out of like two by stock and it says yeah. 
two by four, eight footers. It's like, well, I'm going to get 10 footers because I know the first six inches is going to have a big crack in it or something. Yep. And, right. Or, or whatever. So I have to cut that off. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And so. Yeah. I think it also depends on how you're getting your lumber. You know, like if we're getting it from Liberty, mm-hmm. you know, they're just going in and scooping up X number of board feet unless you're really yeah. specific on what you need on what you need which you should be if it really matters you need to be as specific as you can with your mm-hmm. lumber supplier and and you may pay more if they sort it right yeah and then the other thing is is if you're going to a place like say the woodsmith store where you can dig through the stacks or like menards even if you're getting mm-hmm. uh boards there you can kind of sort through and at that point i usually go with a piece of chalk and my part list and a tape measure. And I'm kind of orienting my pieces on those boards where it's like, Hey, based on the grain of this board, this is where I'm starting with case top yep. or, you know, this piece has a lot of really straight grain. So that's styles and rails. So well, we even, we even did that fill when uh, we were at my place picking out the walnut for that um, credenza you did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like we, I had my, my wax crayon out and we're marking everything like, you know, top or styles or doors or whatever. It's like, just to kind of give yourself some, some form of guidance on what you were thinking. Because I know there's, there's been times where I've went and grabbed stuff thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Yada, yada, whatever. I get home, get in the middle of something. Then two days later, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, I don't like, this is not enough. Yeah. Right. Or you all of a sudden you start cutting up pieces and then you get through a part and you're like, ah, crap, that was the board for the doors. Mm-hmm. And yep. it shouldn't have been. Yep. And instead it got sliced up into little tiny things and you're kind of up a creek then. So, yeah. Yeah. Do, uh, do you guys ever, I think there's a small cult of us that do this. And I, I met somebody the other day that does the same thing. Uh, you guys ever go through like the, the boards at Menards and look for like figured pieces? Cause I yeah, do or, all the yeah. time. At Lowe's used to have like the maple, like they, yeah. you know, they've got the yeah. three quarter by whatever. It's like, you'd always find some yeah. bird's eye or. Yeah. Yeah. I, know. I, I, uh, I, every time I stop at Menards and I wander back through the lumber section, um, they, I mean, they sell like their prepackaged boards that are like shrink wrapped and stuff. Mm. And that's not the stuff you want to look at. You want to look at the stuff like the random width stuff that's usually in a big pile. Yeah. And yeah, I've picked through it and like got bird's eye stuff out of there. got some super curly stuff out of there. Uh, it's, it's funny. And they don't, I mean, they don't market any different price. So you still might right. pay $20 for a board, but it's $20 for a curly maple board. Uh, right. I had a guy come out and buy a uh, dovetail jig for me a couple of weeks ago. He's like, Oh, he texted me. He said, I'm on my way. I just left Menards. I was, I was hunting through their maple pile for figured boards. I was like, yeah, I do that too. (laughs) There's more of us. Yeah. That's super funny. So yeah, that's, uh, like I said, I feel bad that the, we misled him on that and it should be, should be listed as two sheets of plywood or one sheet of plywood per, per section and we'll, we can update the plan on that. Um, Might've been one of those things too, like that, the sides of that are kind of like L shaped and maybe they were 
nested, nested. together mm-hmm. rather than two strips where you had a wasted piece yeah. or I don't know. Yeah. We'll be better next time or, or yeah. maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, or maybe not. The one thing that I was, I was getting ready to set up for the podcast here and I'm in my home shop because of the snow day today. And I moved uh, my bench light. I have a big wide LED bench light that I got for as a Christmas gift for my wife last year. And I have it mounted to a round plywood disc that has a bench dog in it. So I can kind of stick it wherever I want on my bench. And apparently it's been there a while because when I pulled it out, there's this big white pale shadow ring shadow ring on my, and I'm like, Oh, so my bench top actually is getting darker. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I was, uh, before we started podcasting, I'm, I'm kind of at a weird point where my issue is at pre-press, but it's not ready for me to review yet. So it's like kind of sitting on my hands. Like, what am I going to do? Kids are, you know, playing King Kong versus Godzilla, smashing each other in the basement. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to go down there and kind of start going through and clean up the the old shop and, and kind of organize stuff. Cause I got stuff in there that I need to sell. I need to, you know, throw away. I need to give away whatever I need to do with it and stuff. And I found three different bench lights, exactly like you're, you're talking about like the articulating arm ones. Yeah. Because I have I have one that has a magnifier on it, one that's okay. just a, a light, and then I actually have one. I think there must have been a, a drafting table in our office building. Yeah, there that were a bunch I of them. I took yeah. at one point, and it had a like nicer light on it. It's it's a long narrow one, but same thing, articulating arm one. And I had kept them all, thinking, oh, I'm gonna mount these in the shop for light in certain areas. So I need to dig those out. Yeah, no, it's. This one has been really handy for in my shop and I got the idea for it and put it on my Christmas list because I saw Chris Fitch had one in his CNC room. So the mm-hmm. it's a wide, I don't know, it's probably like almost two feet wide, I think. And it just produces a nice amount of light and being with the yeah. articulating arm, you know, I can make it overhead light and nice and bright or I can shift it off to one side and give nice directional light as I need yeah. to as well. So, Yeah. You know, the one thing I've been keeping an eye out for, I always keep an eye out for random crap, but one of the things I've been looking for for a while, since I went and visited uh, David Marks almost two years ago, he has above, is it above his lathe? Or it's either mounted to the ceiling above his lathe. It might be mounted to the wall behind his lathe, but it's a dentist light. So it's like an operating room exam light. So it's oh, on okay. a big arm, right? Yeah. But it's like, I mean, you turn it on, it's like 4,000 degrees. It's so hot, but it's so bright. And yeah. it's really nice. And I'm thinking, wow, that's, he He actually bought it at a uh, AAW, you know, symposium auction at one one point. So, so somebody in the wood turning world said, hey, this would make a great like turning light. So I've been trying to keep an eye out one and i told told our friends up in minnesota that she's a, she's a dentist i said hey when you guys when you guys do a remodel make sure you save one of those lights for me <laughs> because i could really use one i, I would I'd, i'm out it right on the wall next to my lathe and be able to you can move it wherever you want there's no base on it so it's not like it's gonna get in the way really yeah 
and it's a pretty focused light too. It's yeah, not yeah. a real wide beam. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't want it. You wouldn't want it for everything in the shop. Like, you know, you wouldn't want to use it as overhead light, but yeah. for trying to look inside of like a hollow form or something, it's perfect. Yeah. Cool. So I was texting back and forth with my brother earlier this week and, um, uh, he had been living in Ireland for a while, and now they're back in the United States, and they had some stuff that they, when they moved back, couldn't bring everything. So they put it in a shipping container like six months ago, and it finally got delivered to his house of a lot of his woodworking tools and stuff that he had wanted to keep and whatever. So, And in there, he had an old screwdriver that's kind of beat up, you know, probably about 12, 14 inches long. And he was trying to decide whether he really actually needed to keep it. Not, and it was just a flat blade screwdriver. And he said the really only reason he wanted to keep it was, or he was debating keeping it was because he thought he might use the steel rod for something at one point. Okay. So, that brought up a question for me because I was thinking about it is, you know, a lot of times for shop projects, we talk about lumber storage, whether it's plywood, uh, hardwood lumber boards and offcuts, that kind of stuff. We do, we've done all kinds of lumber storage projects. Very rarely have we done a project on what do you do to store basically other materials, you know, like your UHMW sheet or strips mm -hmm. or pieces of aluminum bar or aluminum angle, you know, they're still materials. So it's not really, and it's usually bigger sizes than what can go in like hardware organizers, mm -hmm. you know, and it's different from screws and nuts and bolts and all that kind of stuff. So kind of like our storage that was in the uh, compressor dust collection <laughs> closet at the shop that was just like every piece of extruded aluminum and chicken yeah. wire piano and everything. Hinge, yeah. copper yeah. tubing yeah everything it's all in there uh, yeah because i feel like as woodworkers even though we call ourselves woodworkers but there's still a ton of other materials that will get brought into different yeah. types of projects uh so it's like, what do we do with that? You know, when we did in the, and it's now over by the electrical panels, it's a technically a Which cart. Is, is where all the scrap metal should be. Is by right. The electrical right. Panels. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, you know, pieces of brass, I don't know, I guess bar stock, but some of them are two and a half or three inches wide. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know it's like, well, those, those ones are usually sitting on top of the scrap wood bin. Yeah, uh, where like all of our turning blanks go. There's like a little cardboard box that is like offcuts of a one tool steel and brass and all that crap. Maybe yep. that's yeah. uh, Chris Fitch's nest egg. He's gonna take it to the scrap <laughs> recyclers <laughs> <Yeah>. when <laughs> when he leaves. <laughs> yeah, he's just gonna uh, wheel that cart into his pickup truck and yeah. drive straight to Alter Recycling. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. I I will tell you. I, it's funny because this is like exactly what I was doing earlier before we podcasted. All of mine is sitting. Remember that tool cabinet I started building like four years ago, that walnut yeah. base for the carved top one. It's yeah. all sitting inside that. 
<laughs> there's oh. like brass and aluminum and bronze and O1 tool steel, and it's all just sitting in there. Yeah. So, I mean, we have the, I think the only project that I can think of, unless I dig way back in shop notes projects, is uh, we have it on the set is that hardware cart that has vertical bins along the back of it that we can keep dowels and kind of the narrow bits and bobs of things, but. Yeah, but even anyway. that, I I didn't, I built one of those carts. Um, I think, does your dad have that now, Phil? Or somebody yes. has it. Yeah, my dad um, has it. I, I built one of those and the thing I didn't like, like I like that idea, but those are kind of like black holes of nothingness once if you're trying to put little part like, short stuff in yeah it's like two foot sure that's fine it sticks out the top but like if you're throwing like a foot long piece in there it gets way down to the bottom like i don't know how many times it's like we've been looking like oh god we can't find a quarter inch rod of of brass and you're like looking down and they're like oh hey there's a six inch piano hinge there's a chunk of steel yeah. you know it's like you feel like you're gonna poke your eye out on something else trying yeah, to find yeah. it yep yeah we have a shop clean up here this week we should like pull every piece of lumber and plywood out to see what all has like gotten behind there and like the little pieces <laughs> or pull out all the drawers of the hardware cabinet and see what's fallen back behind there and just you know yep. that's stuff for, for academic move. purposes you <laughs> academic know, just yeah research just to see yeah. what's happened yeah like what's what's fallen into the cracks of the couch yeah <laughs> It's like, oh, I found a Mike and Ike back here. Still good. <laughs> Don't eat it. Don't eat it. Still good. <laughs> just blow the fuzz off. It's fine. Yeah. It's just lint, probably. Uh, yeah. Gross. So I was thinking about it because in my workshop, I have the, it was from Shop Notes. Uh, we called it the Ultimate Lumber Rack. And it does a great job. And I've been working on revamping or customizing a couple of the bins in it to be able to hold some of that kind of stuff. Because... You know, like I have squares of cardboard that I want to use for mock-ups and temp, you know, patterns or something like that. Or, but just, you know, what do you do with some of the non-wood pieces? And not all of it's narrow either. Some of it's no. little panels or strips or whatever, but you still want to have it organized yeah. and easy to find and not just kind of scattered about. So, Well, and it's funny because as I was downstairs working today... I realized how many like little offcuts of like ebony and stuff I have too. You know what I mean? It's like even yeah. those like little pieces like that. Like, you know, I'm I'm not the point where I mean, you guys can't see my my lumber bin in the corner. You see that pile oh, yeah. of crap over yeah. there? Very like, nice. I'm not keep I'm not keeping like stuff anymore as far as like material goes, but like ebony, like that you know, you always need little pieces for accents or whatever. So I'm not going to throw that stuff away, but it's like, what do I do with it? Because some of them are, you know, an inch square by two inches long. Yeah. It's like, that's a, that's, I mean, it's a good finial size. That's what I'll use it for. But how do I store that somewhere that it's usable? Right. You know, do you have a, do you have like a shoe box that just is labeled as ebony and that's your, yeah. Scraps or I don't know. Or a drawer where you can put like small turning or accent pieces or something. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I think the same applies just because of the size and nature of it is, and we've talked about it before is 
like patterns and templates. Where do those go? Yeah. You know, cause I see some people where they just kind of pin them along the wall, you know, and then it just mm -hmm. looks like, I don't know, just looks kind of weird because it's all these just dangling parts that are just hanging around. So, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I don't know if there's a good, I don't know if there's a good way to, to do that. I, I would be interested to walk in and I've walked into them before, but I don't, I don't recall. It's different though, because they're, it'd be interesting to walk into like a metalworking shop that does like fabrication and stuff and see what their solution is. Yeah. Like I was thinking I've, I've been into like Des Moines iron here and you know, Iowa steel and stuff and, and pick stuff up from them, but they're, they're like the lumber yard of the steel world. Right. right. They're, yeah. they're not dealing in little pieces. They're dealing in big stuff. They have off cuts, but those off cuts go into 55 gallon drums and go to the recycler or yeah. they yeah. go into the 55 gallon drums and it, it gets listed as a dollar a pound for people to come in and pick through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or like a plastic manufacturer, you know, where they're dealing with sheets and bars and rod stuff as well. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. If you have any ideas or solutions that you have in your shop, you can send us a photo of it. You can do that to our email address, woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks about today's episode, you can leave them uh, by email or on our YouTube channel where you can check in on that as well. If you'd like to see how our shop is going uh, at Woodsmith and Shop Notes, you can check in with our weekly shop updates on our YouTube channel. So feel free to subscribe there and get notified when we have new new videos going up. It's happening all the time. So uh, this episode happens because of the people who support Shop Notes Magazine by subscribing. Uh, if you want to subscribe, Shop Notes is a digital woodworking magazine that's devoted to your workshop and making it an ideal place that's customized and fun to be in. Four digital issues a year for $20. It's a great price. Uh, we also have a book that we gathered all of last year's uh, issues and had it printed. You can find that at shopnotes.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. Bye.